0: Welcome everybody to Creatives Grab Coffee. Today, we're joined by Jeff from V Strategies based out of Calgary, Ontario. Uh, oh, Ontario, what Ontario? Kill? Calgary, Ontario. See, take one is usually my best one and then take two, it's like, what? It's just all downhill from here.
1: <laughs> Dario three off.
0: Yeah, it's the pressure, you know, the it's, pressure's know. on now.
2: Just staying in, by the way, I'm not gonna edit this out.
0: I love it. Anyways. Welcome, everybody, to Creatives Grab Coffee. We're joined by Jeff. Uh, Oh, my God. Wow. Dario really has messed me up at this point. What is this? Don't
1: you just love this?
0: We're usually on the other side of the camera.
1: And it's like, it's easy. Don't worry. Just do the video until you, yeah, I'm with you. Like I
2: said, Phil, this is all that we're going straight into. (laughs) (laughs) He's from Calgary, Ontario at this point. We're continuing.
0: Calgary, Ontario. That's what it is. All right. Jeff, how about you give us a little bit of a background on uh, who you are, who is V Strategies, and the type of work that you guys do? Yeah, absolutely, guys. Thanks for having me on. I mean, so V Strategies,
1: uh, I started the company going on 26 years ago. I used to be with CTV um, prior to starting the company, and I sold advertising there. Um, always had an entrepreneurial bug. So we've been in business, like I said, just over coming up to 26 years. Um, do full service video production. Um, you know, we we kind of... We changed our name. We used to be Zoom Communications. When we started, we changed it to V-Strategies about eight, nine years ago. And the reason for the V-Strategies is really about visual strategies. And we just found that it was more about more than just producing videos. It was about creating strategies for clients, which, you know, I know you guys are doing a lot of people are doing these days. So there's more to it than just producing a video and and giving it back to a client. So, um, yeah, we do a lot of corporate work. Um, We do TV commercials. We used to do a bunch of broadcast work. Um, But these days it's primarily corporate stuff for online distribution. So be
2: honest with us. Did you sell the name to zoom? Is that what
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, you know, funny story with that is it. So we used to be zoom communications or else you used to be a Toronto company called zoom media, which were the bathroom ad guys. So they did the urinal ads. And there was a Jeff that worked over there in Calgary. So we would always get these ads and people wanted to put ads up and over top of urinals. And I was like, no, that's not us. We're not in the crapper yet. Um, (laughs) And so we would swap (laughs) phone numbers and back and forth. Anyways, it was just kind of that. And that was just the change in the marketplace that we just found the timing was right. So the change to to V from Zoom, but you're right. I should have kept the rights to it because, or or I should have came up with a conferencing solution like this, it would have been uh, more financially beneficial. You should have just held on to the domain
0: name and then sold it to them. <laughs> yeah, okay, no, no kidding. You know, I've always been one I've always been curious is like you know, all these ads that are in the bathrooms these days. Who actually makes these ads? You know, it's like the it was like at the back of my mind one time I was thinking to myself, is there like a company that specializes in this? Is this like a niche that all they do is bathroom videos, <laughs> <laughs> bathroom it's a ads? Big-
1: I know it's a big market it's surprising the, the zoom media I think they end up getting sold I'm not sure if they're even around but I mean yeah it's a big business. Well, look, there everyone needs a bathroom. That's a
2: lot of urine to 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 at the end of the day. A lot of a lot of, a lot of foot traffic as
0: they go through there, you
2: know. <laughs> and you have to watch it. What else you can't skip the ad, right? That's right.
0: Yeah, you know, what are you gonna do? Like go press. You, got, you got their attention for exactly one minute at the most. Yeah, you have you have no chance of skipping that ad. That's actually brilliant when you think about it.
2: <laughs> it's like those yeah. TTP ads where it's like um. Uh, if if you're reading this ad, you're 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 stuck in traffic, but so oh, that's right. You're reading this that's ad right.
1: in the washroom. <laughs> yeah, it works. Oh man.
2: So Jeff, 20, 26 years, like almost a quarter of a century. That's a long
1: time, right? You, you know what it it is. It's it's crazy amount of time. And it's funny because a lot of the young folks that work with us and work for us and everything. I mean, I started back in the day when uh, CTV was still real-to-real editing. Um, the soft, you know, the hardware that we use was crazy big, heavy cameras. You know, the first camera we bought was a Betacam SP camera. I think we paid about 90000 for the camera, another 40000 oh. for the lens. And as we all know, our, our phones these days record, you know, footage that's a hundred times better. Um, same thing, we, our first edit suite we bought was an Avid edit suite. And I think we paid, you know, about $300,000 to get that edit suite put in. Um, for an so, editing suite. Yeah. We, we still have a deck downstairs, a, a, an HD cam deck that I think we paid $90,000 for
0: that is totally useless. Um, these you days. still have it because <laughs> you spent the money, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you got nothing to do with
1: it. I'll put it into a museum.
0: I, mind, mind I, wonder, well. I wonder how much you get <laughs> <paid> on eBay <laughs> for that.
1: I wonder. I've tried. I've tried eBay. I can't even get any money on eBay for it, so I figured I might as well just keep it. So, yeah. So I mean, I think it's it's interesting how it's changed over the years, for sure. I've seen a lot of changes.
2: I can only imagine. Like, we actually funny story about uh, you know buying expensive stuff that you look back on now and it's pretty much worthless. We had the same kind of thing happen with 360 video. So we got into it just before it became hyped up or it was on in the process of becoming hyped up just before in that, early 2016. Yeah. It was, it was yeah, right early, in early 2016. We blew like at the time it was like 15 K, which doesn't sound like much compared to your $300,000. <laughs> but for us at the time, starting out, that was a lot of money. And
0: Percentage I- wise. Yes. To be honest, you know, <laughs> like if you're making like 50 to hundred K a year, 300,000 is what an extra, what 66% on top of that. Whereas like uh, with, with us, we were making only like a certain amount, where like fifteen thousand was a huge dent in our in our bank account. <laughs> I still remember. Well, you know what? Any tips?
1: Turn your head. Go ahead.
2: I was gonna say. I remember going. I still remember going to VizTech and saying, "Yeah, so we we want to get the uh, six GoPro Hero fours and paying the four thousand bucks for those." I was like, "Ooh, this
0: this one stings a little." <laughs> Mind you, we were just out of school at that point. So- <laughs>
1: Well, you know what, though, it's interesting, though, because I, that's the funny thing about these days, and, it's you know, maybe it's something to talk about is, uh, you guys have an agenda here, so I'll, I'll, but, you know, when we got into the business, uh, when I got into the business, there was only three, four bigger production companies, and the reason being is because the technology, like, it was so expensive. And so, you know, we took loans out, and, you know, we, we took a big risk in investing the money into the equipment, but that gave us an edge because not everybody could get into the business. So as the technology started to change and as we were going to the NAB shows in Vegas every year and we started to see all this DSLR technology, I remember we bought the first versions of the GoPros and we're going, oh my God, like we're done because everybody can buy this equipment and we are totally out of the business because our advantage of having this expensive equipment had kind of been lost. And the interesting thing about it is what we found is that, and I remember this, Real quick story, but I remember watching a photographer who was a sports illustrated swimsuit model photographer and this guy had these great big thick glasses and he would shoot all of the photos on this little Instamatic 35 millimeter camera. And the whole story was about everybody else has these great big cameras and these great big lenses and how could this guy be a professional photographer because he had such bad eyes, and he says it's not the equipment. It's who's behind the equipment so you can give anybody a camera, it doesn't mean they can produce great quality video. And so that was one of the things that kind of I remind you, remind myself when the technology got cheap, it didn't matter. You still had to have the people like the three of us behind the technology to make it work. So it just an interesting transition over the years.
0: Yeah, it went basically from uh, the value of having the equipment was the big selling factor for a lot of companies to it becoming Uh, how are you creating the content? Like, what is the content that you're filming at this point? Because as you said, anyone can buy a camera these days and just kind of jump right into it. But it's it's the experience and uh, and the strategy, mind you, uh, that goes behind uh, that goes into the videos that really makes the quality what it is these days. Right. Uh, How did you find uh, how did you cope with that uh, uh, evolution? Because like for us, we basically just kind of like grew with the growth. Whereas you went from like the, the, the previous uh, type of uh, work that you did, and then you had to evolve it over time. So how was that, how was that transition for you?
1: Well, you know what, it's, it's one of those things I've always, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit older than you guys. I'm, I'm into my fifties. Um, and a lot of people have have this mentality of, Oh, I don't understand that new technology, or right? It's too confusing. I remember even guys going, you know what, I'm not going to stop shooting film these HD cameras, this DSLR crap won't catch on. I've never thought of it that way. I'm constantly curious about new technology and what's coming out, even though I'm maybe an older guy. um, I think that to succeed, you gotta stay curious and learn about the new technology um, so that you can stay current. And that's what we did. We, we, you know, I I learned all the new technology, stayed up with it. You know, I used to be a partner in in a company here in Calgary um that's doing great Uh, mammoth xr they do um um, vr and ar stuff um i learned the technology so that's how we adapted we just we we went great let's take these dslrs let's take these gopros let's learn how we can use them how we can adapt them and use our old school knowledge of storytelling and distribution of content with these new tools that we have so and and, but i we've made lots of mistakes you know, you guys said you put some money into the 360 stuff. I mean, I, I dumped a ton of money into streaming. We started a streaming company in 1999 called Jetstream Digital Media. This was when most people still had 56 dial-up modems. Um, none of this high-speed crap, you know. And we were trying to send video signals um, over these 56k dial-up modems. And, and that's how, like, a guy like Mark Cuban got his start, right, with broadcast.com. He got into the streaming business. He sold out at a really good time and obviously now a billionaire, but so we spend a lot of money on technology, made a lot of mistakes, but you just keep learning and keep adapting and keep driving forward. And, you know, here we are 25 years later and, you know, still going strong and looking ahead as to what else is new and what kind of technology can we tap into to, to bring to our clients.
2: Yeah. We talk a lot about technology, but I feel like Nowadays it's, yeah, it's the barriers to entry are so low. Anyone can pretty much enter it, but the strategy part is the one that really really matters. And a lot of the companies we've been talking to on this show, they're always reiterating that point, how they're trying to be very strategic with their clients in terms of the content they create for them, right? I'm just curious to like, I mean, you've been in this industry for so long. I'm just curious uh, as to what you've seen change on that end, right?
1: Well, yeah, absolutely. You guys are bang on. And and I think that's the critical part of it. I mean, we've had a tagline we've used for a lot of years called story first, medium second. And and the meaning behind that is that if you can tell a good story, it doesn't matter. Every medium works, whether it's print, you know, uh, web video, everything works, even coupons, you know, if you're advertising, everything works. It's just a matter of the story you tell. And I think the problem being is, is with Video guys I like guess visual guys animation guys is that we're a bit of an afterthought, so a lot of the agencies. will go and develop these campaigns and they'll develop you know the strategies and the key messaging and we tend to be a little bit of an afterthought. And we kind of you know we always say that we need a guys like us need a position at the big kids table, so when you've got your ad agency or your PR firm or your digital agency coming up with the strategies the visual guys should be there as well. We should be at the table talking about the strategy for the content development, the stories you're developing and then how you're gonna distribute that content. And that's where I think it's changed and that's where that strategy comes in is because we're we're generally better off knowing new platforms like TikTok or or Reels or anything else and how the content needs to be produced or pre-roll ads. And so why aren't we at that table coming up with the strategy and so a lot of agencies don't like us being at the table because they'd rather put us in the corner and tell us what, you know, what they need. Um you know, we don't deal with a lot of agencies. We're happy to deal with agencies. We love working with agencies, but not if they're going to put us in the corner and you know, kind of control us and and let us speak when it's our turn. We'd rather be at the table and say, "No, no, here's some ideas as to how we can integrate, you know, your video into your overall you know, whether it's a, a marketing campaign
0: or a, a corporate communications campaign. Well, Did you, uh, uh, you mentioned that you don't work with the uh, agencies too much, but like, it, was there like a period where you did kind of work with them quite a bit where you kind of like started to see like w- the importance of being at that table, as you say, like, uh, like what at what point did you realize that how key that was?
1: Well, you know, we didn't purposely not work with the, what I found with the agencies is that there's probably a few incidences, maybe 10, 15 years ago that, you know, where one specifically, we had a client come to, or we had a client, a corporate client come to us directly and ask us to produce a video. We gave them a quote, I don't know, it was $35,000 or something, because it was a bigger project. Um, they said, oh, we're going to get our agency involved. They, they, they got the agency involved. The agency came back and said, great, we want to do this creative, which was our creative. And they said, we have $8,000 for production. And I kind of went, wait a minute, how did it go from a $35,000 budget to $8,000? They're like, well, we need to put, you know, we need our markup and we need our spin in. And I was just kind of like, wait a minute, how are we supposed to produce? So we were expected to produce the same quality work for, you know, l- less than a third of the budget. And I just I went back to the client directly. I said, you know, this is what's happening. This is, this is ridiculous. Um, and the agency didn't like that. Um, and no, we haven't worked with that. Age. I don't even think they're around anymore um (laughs) all right
0: with business practices like that i'm not surprised to be honest
1: well yeah and and i'm not and i'm so for us we do work with agencies and we're happy to work with agencies but we want to make sure that again you know everything's up front and we're able to you know provide some value and you know bring our expertise to the table um so again we we do work with agencies it's just we don't work there's other companies in town that rely heavily on agency work um we, we just we tend to work with clients direct we just have a better result doing that
2: yeah i've always wondered this this new direction our industry is going in where because we have to develop all these strategies or you know we we do like to implement a bit of strategy into the content we produce for our clients it feels like we're walking this fine line between we're a video production company that can you know, create your video and help you with a bit of strategy, but we're not really a marketing agency. So it's like, we're kind of dipping our toes a little bit over there. So like, it's this like weird transition. I guess everyone is kind of going into where we're kind of like mostly video, but with a little bit of marketing expertise thrown in there. Right. And then it seems a little weird because if you do start to offer marketing services, then you kind of become something else entirely. Right. Now you're in a different pond.
0: Well, part of it, Dario is also that, A lot of clients and a lot of companies essentially have um, they have their own marketing teams and more and more is being asked of them these days uh, compared to what it used to be used to be believed that, you know, you have to go to the agency, get them to create a brief, do this, do that, do this, do that. But now a lot of companies are starting to have bigger and and more capable marketing teams with their own graphic designers, their own uh, copywriters, um, like their whole team. And so that's why they are kind of like creating that bigger creative at this point, and then bringing us in to kind of give our input. So there's that kind of collaborative effort I've noticed where, um, the agency's role has kind of almost been like split into two where like one goes to the client uh, and then the other half goes to the, to the video production company, at least that's what I've seen so far.
1: Well, you know, and I, and I think that, and that's a great point. I think that, I think it's knowing where our limitations are, um, The agencies that we work with, you know, these are brilliant people that they know strategy, you know, from an overall communication strategy, they know print design much better, Um, they can tie it all together. Nothing but respect for them. We know how far we can go down that line before you're right where it kind of gets confusing. But I also think the other thing too is that it's about everybody fighting for this piece of pie. A lot of the agencies now are taking their graphic designers and now offering you know video production services, and they're doing explainers in house, um, you know, because somebody who knows Photoshop and Illustrator can get into After Effects and start creating. And so all of a sudden, because they're going, well, look, we can keep part of this budget. So it's all about this fighting over the budget. And our belief is it's not about fighting over the budget; it's about providing the client with a solution where you grow that pie. So we all get more money, right? We can all you know, take our fair share. Um when you gotta start kind of going, well, no, no, we'll do the we'll do the marketing strategy, even though we don't know how to do it just because we want to get an extra, you know, 20% on the budget. Well that's I think that's you're you're gonna run into some problems there potentially, unless you have the skill set to do it.
0: Yeah. I, I like what you mentioned about like uh how everyone's trying to fight for budgets typically, but you did mention also like you know sometimes you want to try to elevate that budget, you know, based on the value that this project is going to give the client. And I've noticed that too, where sometimes like a client may have like a certain budget in mind for a project, but they haven't really thought about what value this project might give to them. And then once we kind of talk to them, figure out the solution, as you mentioned, that, uh, that suits them, they might see the bigger value in it and then realize, Oh, we might need to pull in more funding so that we might be able to bring in this team and this team and this team. And then because of that, like there's going to be a much larger value at this point for this project. So we got to bring in more money. So budgets are not always set, you know, as long as you can communicate the right, uh, solution and the right value, then, you know, the sky's the limit at that point. Right. (laughs) Absolutely. And, And I think
1: that's, that's everybody's job at the table, whether it's the agency, the video producer, whoever it is, the PR firm, it's about making sure. I mean, Whatever we can do, if it's a client that's selling some widget, if we can increase their sales, where well, they're going to have more budget for us. I mean, if we can increase their sales tenfold, they're just going to keep coming back. I always joke with clients, too, you know, um, I, I always say, you know, what? I, I can't retire off your one video project. I need multiple projects over the years. So I have a vested best interest, interest in seeing you succeed because the more I can help you succeed, the more money you're going to spend with me, you know. $100,000 video project isn't retirement money. Um, and so that's just, you know, we're pretty open about that. And, and it really is about helping the client to, to achieve those goals. And again, even even, even internal communications, it's a, if it's about getting more engagement from your employees or, you know, getting more engagement from, from shareholders. I mean, all of that stuff, there's, there's gotta be that ROI on it um, to justify the money they're spending. Cause some of the stuff we do isn't cheap. Um, you know, there's cost to, I think that's a whole other topic as well as just the cost and the value of what we provide. A lot of people don't understand, you know, we get it all the time, you know, where they say, well, I, you know, I got somebody who can do it for a quarter of that price. Great. But generally you're not comparing apples to apples.
0: It's like, sure, go ahead.
1: And, and There's always someone that can do it cheaper, you know?
0: Yeah. And that's what we say. If they, if they can do it for you cheaper, by all means, go, go to them. It's like. You know, like we can't do it for less, you know, to to the best of our abilities, you know, it's like sometimes asking, uh, it's like, it's like going to a restaurant, asking for a sandwich and then saying, oh, sorry, but I only have this much money. It's like, okay, let's take off the bread. Let's take off the meat here. So here, there's a salad, you know, that's essentially what, what that kind of negotiating is at this point. Right. It's like, I can't give you the whole sandwich. You only have two bucks for it, you know? Yeah.
1: I, and, and even even some of the things, like we're seeing that even when it comes to the the explainer videos and animation stuff, you know, we're getting people going, oh, well, I found this site online that, you know, I can get it done overseas for, you know, $300. I'm gonna like, go for it. Like, it, you know, good luck. Um, and we've had clients that have tried things like that, and they've come back to us and said, okay, yeah, you know, <laughs> work. you guys returned, yeah, you guys returned our
0: phone calls and, you know, um, so... Now they spent an extra $300. That's the thing. It became more expensive doing that. So you can go test it out, sure. But it's going to cost you more doing that. And especially time. That's the biggest thing. All that time and opportunity cost wasted going down the cheap road. Because those are always like the ones that go even much longer than usual as well. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: That must be very humbling for a client to come back though and say like, yeah, it didn't work. Because we, we actually had a guest uh, uh, a show or two ago, and they were talking about how they do follow-ups with clients that do want to do that route, just to see if they actually did end up go that, going that way and if it worked out or not. And like they, they, if they say no, they'll tend to go back with them. But I'm just curious, yeah. do you that too, or do you just wait and they-
1: You know what? We, we've never really followed up. I mean, generally, because it, 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 it's not our regular clients. Usually it's a random phone call. Somebody calls us and says, I want to do this. And, you know, I can get it done for 300 bucks. We did have a couple of clients years ago, and it was more on, um, we did add one with animation. They just came back and they just blatantly said, yeah, we made a mistake. Um, we shouldn't have done that. Um, some of it, too, is even with some of the streaming stuff we did years ago with guys found, you know, cheaper solutions for streaming, and um, they came back and said, yeah, you know we we didn't realize how difficult it was
2: you know, streaming is stuff. special that's something we we're always scared to do because it's like yeah um,
0: it's just there's so many things that can go wrong with streaming it's just it's a stressful type of because it's not in our control that's the biggest thing the good thing about our job is that most of the things we do are within our control which is why we're very certain of what is and what isn't needed when it comes to streaming though <laughs> How is the location's Internet service is always the first question that is asked. It's how strong is that? Because that's something that's just not in our control typically. And anytime we get requests for for streaming, like we, uh, if it's something much on a smaller scale, we try to take it on, of course. But if it's something that needs something uh, with much more uh, manpower, then we we just send it off to like people in our network because that they're, they're the experts, you know, like uh, as to your point, You gotta bring in people that are experts uh, in their respective fields for this.
1: Well, and the streaming side, I mean, streaming is, it's live television, right? And when things go wrong, and I think the Russian government found that out a couple of days ago when that editor ran onto the screen. um, Don't know if you guys saw that or not, but it's live with With the sign, sign, yeah. Um, (laughs) Editor ran on and said, don't believe this propaganda. And I think she's been arrested and, but, you know that's live television and, and so when something goes down you got to react and unfortunately with the streaming stuff so we're, we're doing a project right now for a client where um they did it live last year and it it went okay but it didn't go great you know they had some delays they had some hiccups so what we're doing this year is, is we're pre-recording a 90-minute show um we're not it's kind of a simulated live we're setting it up as if it's going to be live but it's all going to be pre-packaged we're going to be able to test it in advance you know when the time comes, we hit play, you know, it'll be seamless as opposed to, you know, the risk of, like you say, local internet, you know, the bandwidth in the building you're in crapping out on you.
0: That's a great solution, especially <clears throat> unless it's a newscast. I've always wondered why a lot of people, or like a major event, of course.
2: Even newscasts, I've always wondered why they don't just shoot it like i don't know three hours before it airs like that's more work for them that's why
0: you know how much work (laughs) they have to do as a newscast like i've heard of situations uh, where they basically have to edit something within 30 minutes to get put on the show you know but like i I get it for newscasts but like for something like uh, you just mentioned uh jeff that you pre-record it it's perfect you get it done exactly the way you want and then you just simply stream it live you know like I, i feel like that's the right approach for anything that isn't uh like a once in a lifetime, obviously event, you know, like a conference, or if it's, um, a newscast or something like that. I think those are the only ones where it kind of warrants that. Otherwise that's the best approach. Yeah.
1: And and even though the one we're doing, we're, we're doing some of the recordings of some of the speakers kind of closer to the date. So if there's anything that happens in the world, that's going to impact, you know, their business, they'll still be able to provide an update. Um, but so they'll do that. And then what they have is they're going to have a live chat at the end of it, so they can take any questions and address any questions, but it's not going to be a live video feed, it'll be more of a, you know, an online interaction chat session. so. Uh, and again, that's just us having that experience and like you guys, you know, we've had so many webcasts go down on us, we just we avoid live, you know, at, at all
0: costs, we do, we have done some of them we, we've had some good success, but it makes me nervous every time yeah no matter how much experience you have there's still a margin for error not from you as i mentioned before you know external factors that's just that's just the nature of the game and that's why anytime people ask any production company how are you guys about live streaming and it's just like we're always going first okay all right let's uh let's figure this out (laughs) yeah Yeah. uh so jeff Again, since
2: you've been in the industry for 26 years, I'm just wondering in terms of the clients or leads that you've you've uh, the, the the difference in in leads that you've seen over the years. Because we have seen, I mean, obviously, like nowadays, everybody is doing video for their businesses, right? Versus like back then, I can only imagine due to again because it was a high uh, uh, high barrier to entry. For a lot of companies, the prices for regular videos must have been a lot higher than probably what they are today for the same type of video. So now that the prices are a lot lower, I'm just wondering what kind of transition you've seen in terms of the leads that approach you for content.
1: Um, you know, we we are generally dealing with kind of mid to large companies, and that's how we've differentiated ourselves in the market a little bit. we um, We're structured to work with larger companies. So when we get smaller companies that come in and are looking for, for production work, they generally have smaller budgets, which is totally cool. Um, but we'll we have other groups that we can kind of pass them off to, we tend to be more structured, even though, so I guess what we're doing is we're still going after that mid to large size company and we're doing more videos. So the cost per video is coming down. Whereas years ago, we might spend, you know, hundred grand, 200 grand on one corporate video, Well, now we're stretching that same budget into 50 videos, you know, throughout a year. Um, And again, we're just getting more creative with it. So, um, you know, we still get the calls, um, but we always, you know, we try and qualify the leads so that we don't bring, if somebody's got, you know, a thousand dollar budget and they want to. You know, five minute corporate video with multiple locations. We're just not the right guys to do it. There might be some other people out there, or we try and explain to them the cost and what's involved in it. Um, but I would say our business, I mean, we we don't get a lot of incoming inquiries. We're going out to get the business, you know. We know who the customers are. That's the one. I mean, my background, I'm not a video guy. I I started in advertising sales at CTV. And so I don't have a production background. Um, I just learned everything over the years and being in the television side of things and so i've always been big on the fact that in any business doesn't matter whether you're a production business or an accountant or anything i think you need to be constantly out you know pounding the pavement looking for new prospects coming up with new offerings you know reinforcing the value that you provide the clients in the marketplace
2: yeah the the sales process is definitely very important i think luckily nowadays we do have other means of getting leads. I've always been curious about the sales approach though, because I feel like it's a little tricky for our industry because you aren't selling exact. I mean, we are selling a product, but it's all so specialized at times. So I'm kind of wondering how, how you go about your sales process.
1: Well, for us again, because we kind of have defined our market, we we either have, you know, marketing, advertising people within companies, depending on the type of company they have, or we're going after the corporate communicators. So, you know, we use things like LinkedIn. Um, we network, you know, because we've been in the business for so many years, we have a pretty good sense as to kind of who's in the market. And it's just, it's a constantly touching base with people, letting them know that you're there, you know, feeding them new ideas. We, we have a, a blog site um, called Think Visual um, on our website. If you guys get a chance to check it out, we started this about six, seven years ago. And Think Visual was just you know great campaigns videos that our team finds online and we just share it and it, it's no secret is we're not positioning it as our work we're just saying this is great video content we found online and we use that to share with clients to say here use this as some inspiration you know um here's some ideas as to what some of the you know top production companies around the world are, are producing for clients and so we use that as just kind of a giving them ideas so it's not a hardcore sales you know press hard three copies sign now kind of a sales approach it's just constantly being out there and providing them with value and ideas and um, giving them ways that they can use video and animation to improve their marketing and their communications
2: mm-hmm. lately, lately we've been focusing a lot on like uh, advertising on google like google adwords um, a lot of seo and we've we've like the main way we get our clients is through either um like our website like they just find us um or through referrals like it's mostly for us it started out a lot as referrals and now it's transitioned to more um leads from our our ads or, or just from google but sales is definitely something i think we need to start thinking about but it's like yeah. We're still trying to nail that one in.
0: <laughs> it's an ongoing process essentially. And what, what I was actually a little bit curious about, you said that uh, you do a lot of um, outreach yourself uh, and you, you said you have a very good sense of what the market is like and who might be looking for video content these days. Uh, is that maybe potentially a reason because of like how big maybe necessarily the Calgary market is for, for this kind of work or is it, or is it kind of like almost comparable, obviously it may not be comparable to Toronto, but is it kind of like to a level where like you have a much like more in-depth knowledge of like the entire market that's there, like personally?
1: I would say, yeah, I mean, Calgary's not a huge market when you compare it to a Toronto or even a Vancouver. I mean, we're a bit smaller, but I, I still even think in a Toronto or a Vancouver, larger markets, you know, um, or even some of the smaller markets. If you're in a, you know, a Red Deer or a Lethbridge, um, I think it's just about trying to identify, you know, the people that have a need to communicate, whether it's to, you know, employees, investors, to customers, um, and really just giving them ideas as to how they can use video. Um, anybody, I always say that, you know, everybody has a message to communicate, everybody has an audience. So if, you, if you're a company that has, you know, 500 employees, well, you need to recruit people. You need to train people. You need to get, you know, town hall meeting messages out there. You have all this stuff, and and so our we're just out there saying, well, here's a way you can do it with video. If you're trying to sell a product, well, how about an explainer video, or how about some pre-roll ads for YouTube, or how about you know a, a video for your email signature, so that you know when you're sending all those emails out, people can actually log in and see what you do. So it's just it's giving people ideas. Um, and so I, you know, I have a pretty good sense as to who's in the Calgary market, but there's also a lot of companies we don't know, but that's what we're constantly prospecting. We're constantly reaching out. We're scanning LinkedIn to find out who the, you know, the communications VP is or, and then trying to figure out how to get some information in their hands. You know, we, we just did a video that we talked about, you know, we've, we've, we by far have probably interviewed the most number of senior executives in the city over the years you know hundreds and hundreds of senior executives and so we just did a short video and said we know how to interview people we know how to deal with senior executives we know how to make them feel comfortable we know how to you know make them look good on camera and we take that video and we're blasting it out to probably four or five hundred prospects to say if you're doing videos with your senior executives we're the guys that know how to do it um so again just getting creative and you know building trust with you know, existing clients and prospective clients.
0: Do you find any challenges, uh, like, or at least what are some of the challenges that you might face when you are trying to kind of reach out to them? Do you get a lot of kind of pushback, you know, especially with cold outreach, you know, it feels like sometimes 90, 95% of the time it's like, oh, thank you for reaching out or not even an answer at all whatsoever. Right. So like, how do you kind of like navigate that or even push past that to kind of get those, uh, get those sales.
1: Well, funny, real funny story. I got a 19 year old daughter who's looking for a job right now. And she says, Dad, I can't find a job. I said, how many resumes have you sent out? She says four. And I was like, okay, there's the problem. She goes, well, I had two interviews and I didn't get the job. I said, there's the problem. People are so afraid of rejection, you know, and again, I started in sales. I'll send out this video to 400 people. And if nobody gets back to me, I don't lose any sleep over it. And and I'm respectful. I'm not a pushy sales guy. I'm just like, well, obviously it wasn't of interest to them. So I'll come up with another idea three or four months from now and reach out to another 400 people. And I think so many people that get into business, and I don't know what your guys' backgrounds are, but people get into, especially the video business, they come out of broadcast school or they go to a film school and they come out and they love their craft. They're great at their craft, they love the business they start a production company and they don't put enough emphasis on learning how to sell their product or they're nervous about selling. Nobody likes, everybody's going, Oh, I don't want to be a salesman. You know, there's that old, you know, perception of sales is slimy. It's not, it's about we're, we're providing solutions to businesses to help them, like I say, communicate to sell more product. We're not, we're not forcing anything on anybody. And I think that's where a lot of know so we do we get pushed back we get ignored all the time every once in a while i get an email and somebody say don't ever send me you know any information again that's fine i don't care there's a there's a million other people out there i can talk to i don't care about that one individual who's grumpy um and so we just keep plowing through it, and we keep reaching out to people because but we're not pushy either you know we're not trying to force anybody in anything we're just saying look we provide a great service here we have great solutions If you have a need to, you know, communicate with customers, employees, investors, here's some solutions that could help. And we get, you know, that's really what has allowed us to succeed and stay in business over the years. Is that just not being afraid of rejection and just constantly pushing. Uh, Jeff, what's, uh, uh,
2: how big is your team? So you you started the company, do you have any partners?
1: No, no, I started, I started the company... I had a partner in the first year I bought him out. Um, I'm the sole owner. Um, we were up back six, seven years ago. We were up to close to 30 people. Um, it, 2015 here in Calgary, when the energy industry started to tank, we started to pare back a bit. And we were down to about 15 people pre-COVID. When COVID hit, we unfortunately let go of half of our team um, just because we knew it was going to be, you know, a downside. So we're now eight, nine full-time people but then we're using a lot of the people that we unfortunately laid off we're using a lot of them on a freelance basis so we have anywhere from 20 20 plus people kind of going at all times um and i gotta be honest like you know having a smaller team and using freelance is actually a bit of a relief because you know when you've got 20 30 people on the payroll there's a lot of pressure you know every month just to keep cranking the cash out just so you can break even. And as a business owner at the end of the month, you're sitting there going, Oh, I hope I made something. Um, you know, so, so it's, it's been scaled back, but we're like, I say, we're the market's starting to come back now. We're starting to feel, you know, even just since January COVID seems to be passing and it seems to start to level out a little bit in Calgary here, the, the $130 a barrel oil helps the market for for us guys. Um, So hopefully we can start to kind of build that team back up. I don't think we'll ever get back up to that size again, just not because we won't have the work. It's just because I just think we like to be a little bit leaner and meaner.
0: Yeah, that definitely seems like to be the trend with with a lot of companies because Dara and I have always have been talking for years about how we can potentially kind of scale up because we can't be just the two of us like full-time forever necessarily. You know, we're trying to figure out what might be some like good uh, roles to kind of first bring in down the road because like we're a very similar situation you know we're nimble team just the two of us right now is the core and we have like 10 or so freelancers that we're uh, working with on a consistent basis depending on obviously the projects um but if if you were to what was like the first kind of hire that you found was like the most beneficial to you when you were trying to scale up like what was the first thing that was on your list to to do or did you learn was the right one to do
1: Uh, yeah there's probably not one person there's probably two or three. And to me, um, in our business, um, you know, the 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 where you make your money are the people that are billable. Um, I'm not billable. Uh, I mean, I kind of am, but I mean, I'm not really. But, you know, when you've got a great animator, shooter, you know, editor on staff that can crank out some amazing work um, and you can keep them billing, um, you know, when we, when we were, you know, to the size of we when we were larger, you know, we had you know, a team of six or seven editing. And we had a couple of shooters and that was good. So that was critical, but I also think having somebody from an, or you know, an, a management side of the things, I've got Jamie that works with me. She's been with me for 17 years, you know, and being able to coordinate and keep all the details in line because I'm not a detail guy, I'm the big picture guy. And I come back and go, ah, wow, let's do this for a client. I throw out these crazy ideas and then I come back and it's people like Jamie who put all the pieces together and go, Christ, how do we do this, you know? But then make things happen and keep it organized. So it's kind of twofold. There wasn't really one hire. I think it's a matter of, you just gotta to get to those complimentary people. You know, so I'm always out, I've always been out selling the projects and coming up with the ideas and building the relationships. I bring it back and then I just have that trust in the team that they're gonna be able to pull off whatever crazy idea I talk to a client about um and it yes yeah, sir go ahead oh sorry no, i was just gonna ask do you do you still uh, direct a, a lot of your projects or do you
2: just kind of like uh run the business uh, and...
1: yeah i i've i've never directed. i mean i have directed but and i would say that, you know even though i'm not a trained i didn't go to film so i don't know i don't actually have any post-secondary well, I mean, I meant, did, uh,
2: uh, sorry i meant like directing producing so like are you on
1: set at all for your projects or very not very often no i i, I I, um, like I say, my, my main background in the business has been running the business. I'm involved in the creative and the strategic side of things with clients, but we have directors and producers that actually do the work um, and pull the projects off. So like I say, I, I have no formal training. I, I came out of high school and I got a job as a sales guy and just kind of fell into the TV business. So um, I know I could direct and I have directed the odd thing, but I wouldn't call myself a director. Um, I've more taken the role, I guess, of the executive producer While I'll sit back and, you know, but I'm also very critical. I'm, I'm critical to the work we're doing and I know what looks good and what doesn't. And, you know, just from years of being in the business.
2: Well, when you were first starting out, though, were you like, um, you were probably like on, on like you were producing directing then, right? And then you transitioned to this being behind the scenes.
1: Yeah, no, again, I, I've, I I came out of selling advertising for CTV, the guy that I partnered with. First off, he was a producer director, more of a producer, less of a director. Um, we were partnered for the first year. Um, he didn't like the idea of being in business for himself. He couldn't handle the stress. So I bought him out and then I hired two producers and then we were freelance directing everything for the first four or five years. So again, I was always on the street generating the business and I'd bring it back. And again, I've, I've been on set
0: lots, but I'm not, that's, I hire people for that. Um, Essentially you're like just um, you're managing different teams of people, depending on the projects. It's like, here's like three projects running at the same time. I'm going to put so and so and so each running uh, each of those projects, they build the, uh, you allocate the team and the people there. Uh, The thing I'm curious about though, is you mentioned, you're also dealing with a lot of the creative, um with the clients so because you're doing that and then you're kind of handing it off to the team i guess obviously it's because you've had like a many years of um of working with them that you know what kind of work they they would produce but like typically with us whenever we're dealing with the creative we're kind of seeing it through all the way to the end uh how do you kind of maintain that quality or like you know that the director uh understands your vision you know as it goes along is like how do you manage that relationship between you and the director
1: um Again, I you know I have I know our directors and kind of the the skill sets that they have and who, who's good at what and so when I'm in talking to a client you know depending on the path we go down will result in the director that will recommend bringing in for the project. Um, we I work so closely with the directors when I come in and say hey we're looking to do this kind of a concept for the client it's not a much of a stretch for them because I already know their strengths. Um, so I don't, you know, if, if it's something, you know, really out of scope, if it's some, you know, crazy comedy piece or something or something really out there, I won't go too far down the creative path of the client without bringing our team in. And then it's a collaborative effort, even, even you know, I always believe, I don't believe there's just, you know, there are some amazing directors out there and amazing creative people, but I still think even the most creative people still rely on people around them to really fine- tune their ideas. So it's more of a a team effort.
0: yeah, that's that's what I was kind of curious about.
2: yeah, it's it's so interesting. We know we haven't run into a um, another video production company that's being run like yours is being run. So, but it makes so much sense because, yeah, like eventually the goal would be to get to the stage that you are in, right? Where you're running the business, you're doing the sales, you're handling part of the pre-production and then some you're overseeing the post. but, you're not going to set because it doesn't make sense for you to go set when you got to run everything else. Right. It's almost like, like I'm thinking in my head like, if you own a movie studio, you're not going to go all 20 to all 30 days of the the production shoot day. You're not going to be on set with the director and everything. You got to run the studio, right? You got a whole bunch of stuff to worry about.
1: Generate business. And that's a challenge that a lot of people in the industry have. Like for you guys, you go sell a a project with a client Then you got to come up with the creative. Then you go to go on set. Well, that might take you out of the the sales cycle for two months and you see it that you're out of the sales cycle for two months and then that project wraps up and you're like, oh, crap, we need another project. So now you got to spend another month to get another project. And so if you can start to step back a little bit and bring some people in. So for you guys, you know, maybe you get, you know, a great production assistant who can do a lot of the legwork for you. So while you're coming up with the creative and you're actually going to be on set, maybe a lot of that other stuff you get somebody else to do and you're looking for the next job while you're waiting for the upcoming shoot, you know, so you can start to build on it. So that is, uh, we are quite unique. I mean, I've got a good buddy of mine that we're actually um, kind of competing companies, but we also are business partners in a, in a real estate in a building. Um, Matt used to be really heavy into the production and now he's kind of stepped back and act as more of the executive producer and is having a lot of success because he's talking to, he's one that works with a lot of the agencies. He'll go in, talk to creative, figure out the project. He'll bring in the various directors um, and then he'll kind of go, great, my team's got it. He'll go to look for the next project while they're out on set, you know, create, you know, shooting a commercial. Uh, but it, it's catchy,
2: you know. No the system you have is like it's the way you're supposed to do it. I think the the way a lot of companies go about it is kind of the way we're going about it where you start off as I mean the process is you start off as a freelancer and then you start to get a lot of work then you turn into a company and then you slowly start hiring people to come to your projects and then you know you start growing a bit but I feel like I think most of the companies we know like the people that are running the business still go to the shoots right and I'm I'm thinking like the reason for that, I guess, is because we we like to be involved. We still have that, like, we love being on set. We love having, like, almost like, you know, you have, like, a power, almost like you're on set. You're the guy directing. You're the guy producing. You're, you're the guy that's important. You're an important wheel in the car, right? Um, but definitely, I think what a lot of people f- fail to see is probably that transition that they'll have to make, you know? It's like, okay, now it's time for me to kind of take a step back and kind of just, do more big picture stuff, which I think is a hard thing to, for for some people to implement, and it's probably very hard for for them to do as well.
1: And, and I guess it really depends on what your goals are. I mean, it, it's I, I know some guys that are creative and charge a lot of money for their services because they're amazing in what they do, and they love being on set, and they're artists, they're creatives, um, and they make a really good living, and yet they're still on set and they're creating the content because that's what they love to do um i'm personally just for me i'm more of a a business guy more of an entrepreneur um and so i'm more about you know building the business and pulling the teams together to be able to figure out how to grow the business um less about the creative
2: being in business all these years i'm just wondering do you remember any key challenges that you faced over the years and then how you overcame
1: them Oh, you know, there's so many challenges. I think that there's challenges when it comes to people, um, you know, finding uh, we've had some amazing, we've got some amazing people on our team. We've worked with some amazing people, but we've also had some people that have been challenges um, that have maybe cost us some business, um, you know, that haven't really acted or put out the content that we expect for clients. Um, so those are some of the big challenges that, that we've had. Um, and, and not fun ones. Right. Um, so there's that. Um, I think that even changing with the technology is is a bit of a challenge, you know, even though we've made it through pretty well. It's, uh, you know, getting undercut from people when all the new technology started to come out and getting undercut and trying to always prove your value to clients. You know, it's not a it's not a real challenge. It's just it gets tiresome after a while you know, when guys are coming in constantly. But that, ha- you know, I complain and then I'm going, you know what, look at the restaurant business. I mean, there's a thousand restaurants in Calgary. Um, if you want to talk about competition, our competition isn't nearly as bad as, you know, the restaurant business and some of the other ones out there. So, um, but I don't know. I, I mean, overall, I love the business. I mean, um, when we stop and think about what we do for a living, we are pretty fortunate. You know, we go out and shoot videos and have fun and talk to people. It sure gets stressful like everything else, but I don't know, we're pretty fortunate.
2: Yeah. The one thing I really like about what we do is that we're always able to see all these different types of jobs that, you know, like it makes you think like, oh, okay, if I went in that industry in that particular role, that's what my day would look like. Right. And so it's always interesting to kind of like just
0: see what what other people do, you know, that's that's what I like the industries too that's the other that's what i like seeing so uh as well because it's like we have like an idea of like what it might be like to work in certain industries and then when you when we go behind the scenes and create the content board it's like whoa this there's a lot more that goes into this than than most people probably realize right because they don't show as much sometimes right
1: well and i think the cool thing is too is i mean like i you know and i don't even think about it but i mean we've we've played a role in some pretty major companies and some major campaigns you know like i'm sitting at home sometimes watching a hockey game or watching the news and i'll see three or four tv commercials that we've produced um you know that we're helping influence you know buyers to to go and you know go to a certain restaurant or buy a certain product or whatever and it's just kind of interesting it's fun to kind of get behind that and have that kind of influence on a market Um, I think it's pretty neat. How did you feel the first time you saw one of your ads on like the big screen? Well, you know what? It's funny because, because I started in the TV business, um, back in the day when television and newspaper were like a really big deal, they're not such a big deal anymore. Um, it was pretty neat, but yeah, the first, the first couple of spots we did. And when you saw it on TV as a production company, and that would have been back what 1996, 97, was pretty cool you know um and I I was pretty young I was what 27 when I started 26 27 years old um so to be able to sit back and go wow look at you know we're doing this stuff and and you know uh, we do a lot of photography work too so you know as I flip through magazines I'll see photos that we've done and it's just it is it even today you know today it's still exciting to see stuff that we've done
0: yeah, we noticed one thing uh, in your portfolio is that it wasn't just video that you guys do, but we saw that you also developed some websites as well uh, occasionally. Um, uh, and now you're saying you also do a bit of photography. So is it kind of like a little bit of everything that you guys are doing, or is it still like mainly video and then occasionally you do other projects?
1: Yeah, and, and we kind of went down that path of being more of a visual communications agency. But five, six years ago, but now, I mean, the bulk of it is straight up video. We do a fair amount of animation work, um, you know, explainers and whatnot, like you guys, um, and we do websites, but they generally are micro sites or kind of video centric websites. Um, you know, it that's, we don't do just straight up websites. It, like landing uh, page
0: kind of type, uh, ones, right? Like those yeah, for video. Yeah. 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 Um, like we did one for Opa,
1: uh, which franchise, a Greek franchise out here, fast food restaurant. And it was kind of the power of good foods So it had a bunch of different video content on, there, all kind of promoting the brand. So that's the type of thing that we'll do. Um, but not, and again, it's all based around video type work. I'm just wondering if you could go back in time.
2: Uh, like what, it's a cheesy question, but I actually, I'm pretty curious because you seem like you're, you're pretty much, you, you, you sound like you're at the peak of like your your video careers i'm just curious if you could go back in time what would you do like is there anything you do differently
1: like any i don't know anything I, i'm probably past the peak but <laughs> um you know what no i i wouldn't i don't think i would i mean it it's it's been a great business i mean i think um you know If anything, if we could have adapted more over the years so that we wouldn't have had to deal with layoffs because of the energy industry or COVID or anything like that, those are the situations that I would have done differently because when you're impacting people's livelihoods, that's the stuff that sucks. But as for what we've done with the business, I would say I'm pretty proud of it and um, I would say I have no regrets. You know, you make the best decision at the time and to go back and say, oh, I should have or would have or if I did, you know. You know, we, we started our company Jetstream Digital Media in 1999, right back when guys like Mark Cuban, and, and we, we were around streaming before YouTube was around. So, you know, had I, you know, would I have liked to have been the one that created a YouTube? Well, of course, you know, <laughs> but um, no, I got no regrets. It's, it's, been, it's been great. And I think, you know, it's exciting to see the content that's being produced out there. Um, You know, and and one of the big things that I find interesting, though, is also that years ago, we found a lot of our people wanted to leave our business to go and create movies or, you know, create more dramatic type material. I think nowadays what I'm finding is that people like us can take what would be traditionally corporate, boring corporate content and do some great storytelling around it and bring that skill set of great filmmaking to the corporate world. And I think that's what you're seeing more and more of when you take a look at Vimeo and what some of the, you know, producers and directors are doing on a Vimeo. I think that's what's exciting about the business and hope to see more of that into the future.
2: Yeah, like, uh, I think for sure, we are seeing a lot more that we're, you know, we're not many of our peers, maybe aren't going into films, but they are implementing those techniques and skills into the corporate world. And making the content a lot more interesting you know it's not it's like corporate content is no longer i would say it's no longer boring like i think everyone's kind of trying to outdo themselves with how creative they can make corporate videos
0: yeah and and it elevates the industry you know it elevates the standard you know of what what is and what isn't good work and it pushes like it pushes all of us to to do even better work you know it's harder to do like it's harder to do a simple video these days uh, you know in terms of like very basic corporate you know like we have to think about always like oh how do we make this stand out what platform is it going on so how can we film it in a way that that makes it stand out from the rest you know and this is where the video strategy comes into play right it's like what can we do that works and lends itself to the strategy so uh yeah it's it's really interesting where it's going no i couldn't couldn't agree more and
1: i think that um, you know, I, I see it even more so into the future. I mean, when, when I started in the television business, you know, you'd put tons of money into production works so that you could go and sell them a 30 second TV commercial to support it. And now I think with, you know, the old term of branded entertainment, um, we're seeing more and more of that, where why don't these brands just start creating great content? and sharing it with people you know and you're starting to see that more product placement but you're starting to see more brands getting involved with actually creating unique content like a red bull you know everybody talks about a red bull but it's brilliant you know they know who their target audience is um they sell an energy drink but they're also providing content for a very very targeted market so if you can see even more of that i think that's that's what the future holds in my opinion speaking of the future though like what
2: what do you see happening in our industry going forward next, I don't know, five, 10 years? Cause you've seen, you've seen quite a lot of changes throughout the years, right? You've seen it all. technically.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I, I think that, um, I think it's just the, the storytelling is going to get better. I mean, I think you're going to start to see programs, you know, you're already seeing things like the voiceover business, right? You know, we used to have to hire a voice and go into a studio and record it. And we still do that sometimes. But now you got things like voice one, two, three, where you can go out to the world and get voice recordings, which also opens up the market for local voice talent to go around the world. Um, I think you're going to see programs, you know, kind of like what Canva has done for the graphic design space. I think you're going to start to see, and there's already programs out there that can start to do some automated editing for you. Um, So I think there's going to be some of that technology out there um, that will start to change the business and make it easier for the content so i think the focus is going to go back on to that creative storytelling you know need that i don't think you can uh, not yet I, maybe 20 years down the road 50 years down the road the ai side of things will do it but i don't think you can replace that creative minds behind It goes back to my story of the photographer With the 35 mil camera it's not the technology i don't think we can have computers creating great content i think that's what the future holds is people like us continuing to get creative and and be able to tell interesting stories and then use the technology at hand to enhance it
0: yeah the mediums are going to get better and better like there's no doubt about that uh i don't know how much of an accelerated growth that will be you know i don't know if it'll go as far as the digital, uh, the DSLR revolution, you know, in terms of that type of, um, how do you say if that big of a change, but it obviously will get better and better, you know, like how iPhones get better and better every year, you know, but as, as to what you said, storytelling, it's always going to be super important and it's always going to be based on the strategy and the story behind the content that will make it important.
2: Okay. Well, I think we're at the one hour mark. So I think let's just end it off there. I think that was a good way to close tie things off
1: Jeff thank you so much for coming on the show thank you guys I love what you're doing with this and I think it's a great idea and just opening it up and talking to different people I totally appreciate what you guys are doing so thanks for having me
0: and always we appreciate that and we're glad that uh and we're glad that you could join us and uh you know hopefully within uh, another year or two we'll check back in and see uh and see where you're at in another episode right
1: <laughs> perfect guys all great. right
0: thank you